Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, an artist in South East London, and I started this podcast to keep us artists in touch under lockdown. I wanted to talk to other artists about the impact on the artistic community and explore what's changed, what's lost and what's been discovered. In this episode, Matt Eger and I talk about plodding along and where he should have been in Aspen and Mexico and Maine. Matt talks about being a fidgety person and being thankful for his studio, which you can still go to. We try to talk about Skowhegan, the residency programme in Maine, what it is and why it is so, so marvellous. We talk about being given permission to make the work we are making from the artists that have gone before us and the ideas of content versus intent. Matt describes making feelings-based works, relying on found objects and collecting textures. Matt talks us through his large box of stock materials that he is working through, thinking about simple gestures and waltz rhythms, one, two, three, and ideas of display. We talk about the comfort and teetering between function and non-function. Matt talks about treating his work like a relationship and deciding that he should date his work more often. We chat about the dowel, setting up problems to solve and disingenuous trompe We end on cooking as a release and coffee rituals. Thank you for joining us for Chats with Artists Under Lockdown. Hello, my Ager. Hiya. Hi. How are you feeling? Uh, Yeah, not bad, thanks. Um, Yeah, just, uh, you know, plodding along. (laughs) I love that expression I find myself saying that quite a lot yeah I feel like it's probably sort of a a strange um, set of strange feelings in this time where sort of almost you feel bad for saying I'm doing really well Mm. and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer (laughs) (laughs) Debbie Downer love it yeah it's true um it's a it's a funny one and I think being honest with it also because it shifts daily doesn't it it's not something that's static how are you feeling so yeah I mean I feel like sort of you know looking out the window now it's sort of almost as if you know nothing's happened uh, mm-hmm. there's like people you know like park people maintaining the park across the street and just like it's sort of almost it's quite difficult to if you haven't really engaged with the news which is probably quite a few people are kind of tuning out of it now maybe yeah yeah um, I feel like sometimes it's hard to see that there's anything like yeah. why are we sort of wrong apart from not working or something but yeah and what about for you is that because you're in Hackney in London I'm, yeah um, I'm currently in Hackney and I've got a studio in Bow, which I've been in for and I'm like quite a few years, like four years now and um, three or four years. And it's um, I've actually been quite fortunate in some respects because um, I've been able to go keep going to the studio. And so what I've done to try and navigate this time is, I mean, maybe we should start from why <laughs> here, actually, but um, or like how I'm here. Uh, I was meant to be doing. Where should you have been? Maybe that's what I should ask. I was, yeah. I was meant to be doing a residency um, in Aspen um, called the Anderson Ranch, mm. which I got a fellowship to that was meant to begin in March and run for five weeks. And then 
I had a plan to go to Mexico City and then go to New York City and then come back to London for a couple of days and re-enter to the US to do um, to be a dean at Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture. And so I was going to be there until the end of August. So I had a visa to be out there. And um, yeah, uh, three days before the residency, I was already in New York. I was meant to fly from New York to Aspen. And um, oh no, or is that like say that again? Sorry, say that again. Um, sorry, I was gonna say if your connection went a bit weird. Um, like what's happened to all that? Is that been postponed? Is that gonna happen yeah, next year? Not, like, I mean, basically, they didn't really know what was going on. Um, yeah, it was just as soon as Trump did the um, announcement about the travel ban, and so then, um, I had all my flights sort of still booked and stuff, but the residency mm -hmm. itself was postponed until this time. Uh, until the same time next year um, and in fact just I think yesterday I got an email sort of talking about how they were going to confirm that but um, unfortunately really it just uh, it, it had just such a huge knock-on effect so yeah. I wasn't able to yeah I that was that was a sick that was over the course of six months just to give a timeline <laughs> but um, yeah so I then uh, was in New York with um, well, fortunately, basically, I was able to come back and have a place to stay. Um, but I, I've also just been, you know, I was actually planning on on um, applying for potential sort of using the time a bit whilst I was away on this residency to work on some new works, but also to um, take the time to apply for some new things in terms of funding uh, opportunities, um, which I think, you know, I had a few lined up, which which can end up taking quite a a chunk of time um yeah. so i tried to structure my time back in london when i got back um a little bit like i was doing that um uh, okay. so i came back and just spent had a little bit of a recalibration and then um, spent the mornings writing applications and then spent the afternoons in the studio making some new work and sort of trying to organize a little bit and sort of recalibrate somehow um mm. I sort of, you know, I don't really see anybody in this studio anyway, and I sort of just try to avoid that by kind of eating lunch at home and then going to the studio, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting subconscious, like you end up just doing something at home till 12 or something, and then you can eat and then you can get it all out of the way. And then when you're at the studio, you're just completely there kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm like an incredibly, I'm quite a fidgety person, so... <laughs> I'm really not so good at sitting still at the best of times, so I'll quite, um, I'll, I, I, I sort of really was thankful that I had the studio as a sort of bit of solace, sort of like yeah. a bit of time to uh, sort of fidget and play and like just have a, have somehow, once I kind of, uh, like we talked about sort of mm -hmm. before, once I, you kind of get out of the, the 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 larger sort of questions of like how can I make work in a time like this it mm -hmm. sort of felt like actually you know I I I I kind of moved on from that kind of debilitating feeling <laughs> yeah a couple of weeks in and was like I just really wanted to crack on really yeah definitely you suddenly realize it's like an opportunity of space and time to like 
especially thinking about the residents, you know, the residencies as a sort of parallel, it's really interesting where you would have been, I suppose. Um, I just wanted to get into that a bit because you and I kind of, if you can call it meetings, we've never actually met <laughs> properly, but we kind of met on email. We had a first contact through Skowhegan yeah. uh, School of Painting and Sculpture, and which is based in Maine. Um, so I just wonder if we could just talk about Skowhegan a bit, like what is it? I think especially in the UK, there's it's quite there's quite a lot of mythology around it, and um, I think it's we were talking about how hard it is to talk about, but it, I think it'd be great to try because at this moment, obviously, it's not happening this year. So what the implications of that are, and how in terms of adapting, it still continues to manage to do that. So maybe we just talk a little bit what Skowhegan is and what you were going to be doing there. Um, yeah. So. Skowhegan, as you know, is um, a nine-week-long residency programme um, which uh, 65 artists get into. And I guess it's structured... Um, it's, it's called Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture, yet it's a residency, but it's structured like a school in terms of its, uh, what, what they offer you. So... Um, the structure being that there are a number of faculty artists who um, somewhere along the line most likely have had quite a sort of um, uh, a, a strong relationship with the education system in the US or elsewhere. And so they're kind of teaching artists as well as practicing. And mm -hmm. so they live with you, you know, they live, um, on the site, on the campus, um, for the same period of time that you do as um, a participant. And then there is like the visiting lecture series whereby, I mean, I can't remember off the top of my head, was it sort of six or six or eight, like maybe just six, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, quite quite big names come and, and talk to you. So like, you know, we had Chris Afili and Vito Acconci and Judy Faff, Mm -hmm. uh, like all these, uh, Waleed Beshti came, and so they would come with, they would come up to Skowhegan, which is really rural, and um, give a lecture and some studio visits. And yeah. so um, these were just sort of like, I, I mean, I kind of didn't really realise the seriousness of the place really until I got there, and mm -hmm. I, think, uh, I was told to apply by another friend of mine who's who I met on another residency at, in New York, uh, the Triangle Association, and I and I met him there, and he was like, oh, you should apply to Skowhegan, it's really worth it, and, you know, look it up, and da-da-da. And at the time, I just didn't really know anything about it. This was sort of 2012, uh, right? 11. Yeah, but I think I found out about it probably 2010 or something, so 10 yeah. years ago. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went there in 2011 as an artist, and then I sort of kept contact with the director and um and uh Sarah Workner who is amazing and yeah, yeah. she was somebody who she's just been incredibly um just incredibly supportive and incredibly um like a really true friend of mine and like she she actually was just we were just talking and and she'd said oh well you know maybe you could be a dean at at Skowhegan so yeah I suppose I forgot to mention that there's obviously a group of staff you have people that kind of facilitate the residency mm. and um, 
and the deans are there's two deans and they normally you know their their jobs like we said earlier sort of range from all sorts of you know maintaining the way that the kind of the the, the whole project or or residency is run facilitating the sort of participants as well as sort of like instigating and uh and running kind of group crits or workshops or sort of quite they, they're really heavily involved and mm -hmm. and so unfortunately that didn't happen but um that might you know there's there's still a lot to be confirmed i think about the sort of my position there i don't know yet mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. uh, i think it's too early to say but um but you know hopefully we'll make it happen at some point but um yeah i mean for me it was it was something that was um quite a, a, a revolutionary part of my kind of or like a a real sort of game changer in terms of my, of what I was doing as an artist. So I I actually made portfolio. I made work there that that I put in a portfolio to apply to the RA and mm -hmm. then to the RA after that. And so it was just sort of like the time, the space, the intensity, the you know just everything. I suppose I didn't really realize how much it it meant it means in America, and I think it doesn't yeah. have the same significance here just because it's less known I think I mean yeah I think the way often people find out about it is someone recommending it you know like another artist saying you should look at this thing I mean I remember when I was applying it was because someone said there's the only place I can think of who does what you're talking about that you want or need is Skowhegan um yeah and that kind of immersive um you know an educational kind of background but also that it's immersive in as much as it you know you live there and you can't you you actually it's interesting you can't leave either so it's got like I think that's part yeah, of the very sort of small, yeah you can you you can leave you can leave but you know what I mean you can't totally you, you have to commit for 10 yeah. weeks and you're part of that community so this idea of a community I guess was uh really exciting to me um and the practicalities of you're given a studio like in the woods. Um, yeah. The kind of yeah, sorry, I didn't really do a very good at describing all of that. No, you did. I, I, it's really <laughs> interesting because I wouldn't have remembered any of the facts about it. All I can remember is like the dreamy qualities and. Um, yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. yeah. You, you live. You live on a lake and you have a studio in the forest and you know. Yeah. yeah. And you're with, you're surrounded. You literally live with artists and you're surrounded by them all the time. Which to some people sounds like hell, but actually, it, like it's so phenomenal, and everyone, everyone's got their head in their work, but also in each other's work, and in this space where you're just testing things and kind of um, learning constantly. Yeah, and I think you can expose yourself to a particular amount of sort of like volumes of critique. Like you don't have to do certain things, but you can choose to. I mean, I remember having like some quite intense conversations about the work with friends of mine that I met there and like just about what I was doing and why I was doing it and where it comes from and 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 sort of and relationships with other people's work and how that like morphed and changed and like evolved and how people could then sort of yeah I suppose just have like a very intense sort of critical time um, mm -hmm. and and it didn't and 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 a few things that are worth mentioning about what it is is about about uh, about Skowhegan that's maybe not necessarily that um, public or that's sort of mm -hmm. talked about is that you know the 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 nuances of yeah living on a lake interacting with 
other artists of loads of different experience. I mean, some people had galleries, some people had just, you know, uh, won a Guggenheim, somebody had just, um, you know, and some people had just come out of their BA and that were like 22 and there were other people that were 25. And I was like, whoa, this is such a sort of, it's a really diverse group and, 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 you know, like none of the, the doors are quite closed to, well, they're, they're closed to, art world professionals <laughs> i don't know whether that's the right sort of politically sort of we're you talking about like gallerists and curators and buyers yeah. essentially like collectors so it's like those yeah. kind of like kind of commercial but also the kind of pressures that are slightly different from the inside of the work i think in some senses yeah i mean it's basically just about the work it's yeah. meant to be about that and 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 it started in the 40s and I'm pretty sure it was, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, what 1946, I think. Just I became obsessed point, with yeah. the origins, yeah. Yeah, and like Willard Cummings and then like Alex Katz became a part of it and it was just this like f- chicken coop on a farm out in yeah. the States. And then it sort of morphed into this really amazing, um, yeah, it just turned into this really amazing sort of like hub where people um, went up and made work. And mm. And I think like, yeah, I think that there's, I didn't realise quite how special it was. And I think me and you have talked about this before, but until mm-hmm. it was over. Definitely. There's that really pivotal and, moment yeah. when you leave. Yeah. And you go to New York and you were like, and you <laughs> mention it and you're, and then someone's really impressed and it's like, oh, wow, it was really, I didn't realise that. I just it's never, so- I never, rem- I just didn't realise that it was such a big thing. I think for me it was, um, I remember so vividly being dropped off at the airport, which is a little airport, Bangor Airport, and yeah. all the flights were cancelled that night, but people had just got on their flights that left, so I was on my own in the airport. Um, I remember just thinking, you know, in my normal life, before Skowhegan, um, I would have been like panicking, probably upset, not knowing what to do, being very scared. I didn't have a phone at all while I was there, so no way to contact anybody. Um and but actually when it happened it just felt like oh this is interesting and it felt and then that sounds really like cheesy but it was genuinely like oh I, I wonder what was going to happen next and I could chat to the kiosk guy and we'll figure something out and then I met someone else and then like turned around and then Sheila Pepe's in the airport so we have a chat and it just became like I don't know it was like my whole lens on the world had been okay. taken off and a new thing had been put on and I felt like I guess more confident but also more knowing of myself and more trusting of um like you know that that of the community of whoever's around you and obviously that can't be it's very safe in Skowhegan in that sense that's that's if, if more than anything I would say it's a space that en- enables and that yeah. could be work or thought or introspection or um whatever I mean we've talked about this a little bit but the projects that get made there you know you can stand by the lake and make an announcement that you want to make something happen and everybody there enables that in any way they can you know in terms of the staff particularly um so that idea of no judgment and enabling uh and giving permission which feels at this moment really interesting too um yeah yeah and what we were sort of you know this idea that you know things that have come before you just even in terms of making making new work or or like through art history which I felt was also something really interesting there is that I remember distinctly having these sorts of like art historical references were actually quite 
different compared yes. to the UK. They weren't like they weren't the same, and it wasn't just like <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like the 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 like abstract painters of the seventies or whatever. Uh, so true. Or the cool school or <laughs> like this, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like they were quite sort of they were like diverse interests. They weren't necessarily things that we we really know about, and like and like sort of and vice versa, you know, and vice versa. I think, um, but I think this idea that you know that there are there are lots of artists that sort of yeah award you the permission um, rather than necessarily hugely inspirational. Um, mm, <laughs> yeah, um, being a bit a bit of an odd um an odd way of talking about sort of things that might influence you influence and inspiration being something that actually it's like permission and like aspiration that's probably more interesting Mm, that's interesting permission aspiration yeah um which I guess makes me think about what you're making there and what you're making now and that kind of journey I don't know if that's something it yeah, feels relevant, think, but it's interesting to think about that as a shifting point, the Skowhegan time. Well, I think a lot of some of some of the work that I've sort of made now is actually, I mean, I don't know whether you ever do this, but sometimes it's sort of, I'm like, oh, God, I was making something quite similar like nine years ago. <laughs> I'm like, does is this good? Or does that is this feel good? Is, am I doing this with more confidence? Like, am I doing this? Like, how, how am I? Yeah. How am I handling this? Like, how am I navigating this? And I think like. I think one thing I really remember Colleen Smith when we were there, she was there and she said something like, um, I think she remember, I remember her talking about work, um, a specific piece of work. And um, I think in, in general, she sort of kept this, this like this question of content versus intent really present. And I think that that's something that has stuck with me like so for so long, whereby I just yeah I just thought that that was like a real sort of sticking point when when thinking about making work and and thinking back to like the type of work that I was making then sort of searching for materials and you know I make work out of quite a lot of ready-mades and mm-hmm. found objects and cast you know potentially cast things and it's quite difficult to always in a remote part of America, it's quite hard to just stumble across things when all you have is trees <laughs> and woodland. So, like, it, you know, it, it it was quite it was quite interesting. I mean, I remember at the time, I remember like painting on. I was painting loads of um, shoji paper, um, like mm-hmm. Japanese shoji screen paper. And then, um, and then sort of painting it on the back and then with inks and different like watered down paints and then varnishing them and they would come through in this really like glossy, seductive way. And then a lot of these things would be, these painty type surfaces were held up with these other objects, like bits of pipe and like things poking through them. And then like these compositions would happen because I kind of had to make my materials. And that was kind of one of the first times where or not first times, but just it was at that point a kind of uh, a real necessity to make the materials um, to work with rather than relying on this, like, you know, a selection of found objects from skips or <laughs> or on the street or whatever, which are really sort of present in the cities. Um, but, yeah, so I think, like, you know, going back to what Skowhegan is, it definitely is something that 
you know, a lot of things stuck with me. It facilitated a lot. It like really just changed a lot of my, it changed my, um, my perspective, I think, like you were saying, yeah. sort of shifts the lens a bit. Totally. And, and maybe that's that's something that, that I think I think I think it comes becomes it can potentially become unattractive for people because they're kind of nervous that it is locked doors and it's not really in that sense I think but you know everybody has different timelines and yeah things that they want to achieve and things that they want to do and that does sound like kind of hell for a lot of people I think probably but <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's interesting though to think about the parallel of like the moment we're in now where we're sort of locked down with people it's it's not sort of well it's not quite like that but um the the idea of a lot of the initiatives that Skowhegan like offering a skill in exchange for another skill where you just teach each other something and that's you know um like little things that seem so kind of um quiet there you know it's just a piece of paper put on a wall and a, a little announcement but actually they're gestures that at moments like this are so valuable and important and you know, like neighbours helping each other or sharing vegetables yeah. or, yeah. or buying a podcast and chatting yeah. with someone that we'd intended to talk to for a long time. Like these yeah. things are like uh, what Skowhegan makes so visible and visible meaning accessible and immediate and possible. And um, somehow that real life is much harder. So I think that's something else that um, is making me come back to it very much now and thinking, you know, that how they adapting because it's not happening this year but they do have a common room program online and they have they have like a Skowhegan alliance where they still maintain these networks and these like what can we offer each other at this time even in disparate places all across the world where we're all you know finding different things difficult so yeah um yeah definitely I mean sorry go on no I was <laughs> sorry I was just gonna yeah I think I was just gonna say about this um this idea of community is like really interesting there because I think that there's actually quite a number of people that I have found that I that I met there that that have just sort of I've just retained friendships with and kept that community going and it's really nice and some of them I see quite regularly because they're traveling for shows or whatever yes I think like I think it's just quite interesting how how that how that is cultivated after it ends Definitely. Well, it's like a, an, you know, it's yeah. like an art school, I guess, but it's also like an experience that you've had together. You've shared something. Um, like you say, it's changed things. It feels less like a machine, though. I don't know. Somehow art schools feel like. Yeah, that's true. They're sort of spat out and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's also the living together and seeing the work go through different like revolutions and evolutions. Because yeah. um, I have the same thing, definitely. And a real closeness to that that community and you know visiting America feels like more possible because there's loads of people to stay with <laughs> which Absolutely. is that's like that's really cool so, that's yeah. so nice uh, yeah <laughs> such yeah. a great thing I think um I think maybe there's sort of there is something about this idea of like being in lockdown and then also coping mechanisms being sort of not pulled out from underneath you but like somehow uh, uh you know not as present as they normally are and I think like, there's a lot of people, um, there's a lot of times where I feel like, you know, obviously social distancing or not being able to talk to people in real life um, mm -hmm. that are your sort of support network, I suppose. Um, and then how that, how that sort of almost replicates 
some experience of being isolated with a load of artists because I know you've got those they're, they're new support systems but at the beginning they're not in place you know yeah yeah, um, yeah it's true it's interesting so, uh, yeah I sort of find it I mean <laughs> it's not a, it's not a huge parallel but you it's know, not no but I, I mean I mean it in an optimistic way I, I think I'm I'm looking to it as you know, yeah. just coming back to it again and being reminded of like the wonders that were there. I guess that's what yeah, I mean. Without being too reverent about it, hopefully. Um, but coming back to the work, it makes me question as well. Like, because um, you were saying about the material you could find and the material under yeah. that system that you can't find, and the limitations of lockdown, they've offered you this whole kind of new, fresh opportunity in a way that you wouldn't have been in your studio in this way with the material. So I just wonder if you could talk through, talk us through the material that is in your studio and how you're starting to play with it and use it and think about it. Yeah, um, I, I guess I've sort of... Uh, the work that I've started making in the studio, I think, um, in a... In an interesting way, I think I've tried to limit myself to using the things that are in there at the moment. And so a lot of the sculptures, I, I collect quite a lot of materials, um, different textures that I'm attracted to or that seem seductive in one way, shape or form. And then I suppose um, I also have made certain things out of clay or dough or plaster or these quite sort of um, tactile um quite hand uh, handmade forms and some of them I've made five years ago and I've just emptied this box like a few days ago or last week and just thought like oh my god I forgot I had all these things and somehow like how can these be composed into mm -hmm. into works and I think you know I have like quite a strong interest in interior design and um particularly, I guess, like display mechanisms um, and and sort of particular like identities of textures and objects. So I think like there may have social identity um, or or some kind of cultural cachet, which I feel like I want to to present or investigate or or, or show somehow. And so I think all of these all of these things have sort of landed themselves in my studio over the course of how many years. And I think like, yeah, recently I've decided to almost just work my way, not even that systematically, but just yeah. work my way through them in some way. And so like, there will be other things that have entered, you know, like I found a bunch of kitchen cupboards the other day and I just like hauled them into the studio and I have a studio, which there tends to be a lot of fly tipping around it. So um, it's handy. It's sort of handy and also really gross. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. There's like a lot of mattresses. I don't really know why are they. Well, they'll never come in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I've I've wound up using loads of different types of materials and, and exploring that. And and I think at the moment I'm I'm kind of almost like the limitations somehow um, are, are sort of a little bit more manageable. Um, yeah. And so you know I have like sheets of formica and like old kitchen worktop. Uh, high gloss like um, sheets of laminate and stuff that I haven't really used and I thought actually this is a real good chance and a good time to to really kind of like invest like just investigate what I have again and um, mm -hmm. uh, and and so I've just I've been doing that as well as doing quite a few drawings which 
Um, I quite like somehow they sort of seem a bit architectural, but like um, almost quite kind of tool-like. So it's quite nice though in a way doing drawings because it feels a bit like I don't have to deal with gravity and I feel like that's my one biggest sort of fear by, not fear, but my biggest combat is making wall-based sculptures that potentially fall on the floor all the time. Yeah, the practicalities of keep it, of keep, you know, keeping it up. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, nice. But basically, like, you know, I, years ago I worked for um, some some companies that did sort of, um, they did like gaming experience, like um, promotional, like, what do you call it, like sort of promotional, um, th like um, promos that companies would pay for like you know guinness did like a, a prize winning where you would go and like um you'd get a prize to go into a submarine and have like um in like somewhere in norway and they would pay for the whole thing and it would be like a guinness themed submarine <laughs> and it was like all this like really sort of quite niche like weird advertising publicity stunts mm -hmm. um, but i used to work for this company in their workshop building stuff like this and I think that that's kind of where a lot of I, I just you know you asked me about sort of the, the history of, of my making I suppose yeah and, and one of my questions was about this idea of display methods because it feels like a lot of the work maybe is riffing off um I, I mean I have listed things like trainer stores or like Ottolenghi tiers of food like that like how things are displayed to us to make us want them more or look more desirable or precious or valuable or sexy or um, or clean even I'm interested in that cleanliness too because there's a real um, like cool clean aesthetic to a lot of the work as well maybe so yeah they're quite like they're quite they're often quite simple gestures you know like there mm. is often like one or two or three types of material in that they're, they're, they're kind of like <laughs> I don't know there's sort of, sort of a rhythm in my head sometimes with like one two three one two three oh but not like a waltz <laughs> maybe yeah yeah um but I I think you know um this this idea of display or or sort of like glorifying an object um or making it some sort of more marketable is actually mm -hmm. quite interesting in loads of ways because I think like even when you look at what window displays are happening like around central London, I mean, not now, but in the past, I sort of find myself getting really sucked in. I often go and look at like a, a range of different, like quite large corporate, like corporates, corporate shops, but also stores, but also like, um, I don't know, like high-end kitchen design, like Boltalp and all these like firms that may, I'm like, or like Vitra for one of a better example, but like, yeah. yeah. They're all, they're all showing this incredibly slick, minimal, like, in fact, you know, very, very simple design moves. Um, but I think you can also, there's, there's also a real fad and trend of like having these big knobbly, like rock-like sculptures with like a really slick trainer on it or something. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that I, I, I'm quite interested in this, you know, like they also, this company also used to do loads of window displays. And so I think it, it did like definitely for a while give me a, it, I learned how to manipulate and make and I learned how to use all these different tools that I never really had that much experience with before, but I was able to kind of 
I was able to pick and choose and do what I really wanted. And it kind of, I ended up taking loads of scraps from them, like different types of uh, laminates, different types of wood, different types of like just anything, plastics, diabond, like all these different types of things. And I just take off cuts to the studio and often make out of them. And this was like, you know, 10, over 10 years ago now. Um, In fact, this was like when I left Camberwell. I started working there and I, and I think it's just it, I do have a real interest in it and I, I don't think I want the works to necessarily um, be really I, I quite like this like I quite like how clean they are you know I, I, I'm interested in that but I'm also interested formally in this idea that there's like a slight mix of like the clean and then the handmade or like the, um, the slightly disheveled or the not so straight and I think the combinations of those together is actually something that I feel like is really quite, it's sort of almost like, I don't know, the icing on the cake or something. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think particularly of that piece, Easy Rack, which has, it features two, you know, those crocs, uh, a pair of crocs yeah. that are sort of like on a that I'm sort of like, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of jump, jumping all over the place in the description of some of these works because it's quite hard to like sum it up somehow, but I feel of like... Course, yeah. e- individual work has these different identities that I kind of um that I feel very differently about but yeah like those gray things are actually like shoe displays um shoe storage mechanisms so they 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 actually slot together Mm. and go in opposing directions so you put one in a shoe on the floor and then you put one you put one shoe upside down in it and basically they face different ways so that you can stack more shoes and I'm so interested in just like these really weird little like kind of crap designs that feel quite pointless yeah there's a real sort of sweet spot to hit where I feel like I quite like this quite like the hybrid but I also quite like the 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 um nondescript it's just like really vague like I don't I don't know who or why that would be used and I feel like I'm really interested in that. It makes me think of like terrazzo as well, that like composite where you're like, it's neither this nor that and it's sort of been burnt down and melded into this, but it was a rock, but it was never marble. Like it's just a deceptive yeah, surface. In terrazzo, I think yeah. in its origin, I could be like, I could be wrong, but I think I remember reading that like, actually terrazzo initially in Italy was used as a cheap weapon to make floors yes. because just they just bashed a load of um, rubble just, together. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. it's full of glass and bits of chip marble and like, and then they found a composite that was allowed that was allowed to pour with it, and it was like some sort of cement, wasn't it? And then I think you could just like buff it out, and it was this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, which makes me think particularly of Crocs. I think I was like dwelling on those because they feel like comfort shoes that have suddenly become really trendy. I mean, who saw that coming, right? Um, like Mark Jacobs <laughs> designed like croc, sexy croc shoes for like five hundred pounds or something ridiculous. So yeah. I also think that's I'm interested that they were used particularly because it feels like of the moment in terms of like, and it's called Easy Rack, so it's like something to lay lounge around in. But then they're like kind of um, to become uh, like a modular <laughs> system in itself because of the way they're displayed. Um, and they sort of enclose a foot in a really particular way. So they're, they're then doing something to the foot, to the human bit, yeah. which is how it re- responds and relates. Um, so I guess I've got a question about comfort and function as well um, to do with a lot of these pieces. 
and how how that relationship to to those two things yeah i think i think i think maybe we're quite like privileged i mean and i'm privileged to be an artist i think is like you know i think a lot i think everybody who can make art in this way is like we're in a we're in a kind of quite amazing position to be able to create create things that can exist or or uh, in in different worlds and i don't think they yeah. necessarily need to be sort of defined in like this is this and this is that like this is a piece mm. of design that works in this way and the reason why it works so well in this way is because look at what it can do and like <laughs> we've designed and executed it and now we're going to market it and publicize it and put it in this like yes i i think that i think i'm sort of i teeter between like function and non-function and i think i'm quite interested in like using materials or objects that encapsulate a function or can visibly have a function and maybe I'm using it not for that function or maybe it could be used as something else and so I think like you know a lot of the things that I made I, I sort of I've made you know volumes of functionality and like things <coughs> can be turned up in or turned down in terms of like how how well they function but you know certain things could exist as coat hooks or things could exist as tables or you know like it really varies um and I think I'm quite interested in in turning up and down the volume in my in my way of working like I don't think it's necessarily just like all going to be functional it's not I'm not going to make a huge series of you know I'm not going to make a huge furniture series I don't think at the same time I potentially might see something that fits and works solely as a table and then that can sit alongside another work you know a little bit like I did the show at Studio Lee like years ago now yeah and that was like very much in that vein it was like downstairs there were works that were compositions of like these plaster um little armatures that poked through these acrylic sheets that were cut out in this way with these little gold chains hanging off of them and like there were three of those in the space with this table on the floor which was made from formica and cast shoes and the shoes were poking through the surface and so they were kind of like and actually there were lots of things protruding through surfaces in that show and these things often held up the other thing you know like part of the work that was poking through was the thing that was holding the other thing up and so there was this kind of like knock-on relationship that kind of developed on a sort of smaller scale but I think yeah I think I think I have an interest in that but I like the amount like I, I like amalgamating like different volumes I think mm. and also different I'm interested in how the body like how the body is responding to these things but also because they're sort of coming from furniture and moving towards design and function or away from design and function of or trying to flirt or teeter between those two things um how much are you considering like the body or the physical use you've talked about gravity but what about other aspects maybe yeah I mean I think I've used like I've used the body I think like I've I quite like this idea this term that you just used like to flirt but like mm. I have I it have it feels so relevant with your work I don't know why I didn't think of it before I do feel like those one those I'm thinking specifically about the works that I did for the Studio Lee show or the show that I did at Lungley. Actually, the show I did, I did a re recently, last year I did a show with, oh no, 2018, did a show with 
Sunday in um, with Francesca and Liam in um, South London, and they and I made these two huge heads from Formica, and they had they were facing each other, and I kind of was going through this really weird time, and I just kind of wanted to make a couple, like I wanted to make like a couple facing each other, confronting each other, <laughs> and they were just they were made, they were really big, and like. When I think about making them, they were like really on the cusp of being able to make one person. Like I could barely lift them. <clears throat> they were like <clears throat> 36 millimeters of plywood. And then the bases were really heavy and they were like bolted together. And they had these, um, I had these like fly chains that they use on kitchen doors um, <clears throat> to, that, that were kind of hanging in this like, the space between it's quite hard to explain but mm. essentially like the figures that I'd made in that show um I felt were quite personal and I think that um I've got there's two sort of ways of I suppose or there's loads of ways of relating to the body but I think there's like that that idea that they were like just above sorry it's some motorbikes <laughs> <laughs> lots of motorbikes some hell's angels um there's like <laughs> Going down in Hackney. Well, there is actually Hells Angels headquarters around the corner. So I oh, did... wow. Oh, there you go. Um, but I thought that with, you know, like there's like this relationship to the body in terms of making, you know, like not necessarily in a Franz Westian type way, but like the body being something that is obviously like I'm making these things and I, I very rarely get anything made. So I feel like there's my hand in a lot of this anyway. Oh, but definitely. I... Especially when you talk about physicality, like if, you know, if, you use an, if, you, if you're using an arm to make a gesture of an arm or, you know a massive yeah. head that's the size of your body that you can only just move like these things are really relative yeah yeah so I think that there's this idea that like the form itself is figurative or like they were I I recently made a piece of work which was a kind of off cut of those works mm. and 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 I found all these I, I found all these cutouts of like really wavy hair that I'd made that were <laughs> nice. just like, you couldn't really see that they were that but they mm. were, but that's what they were and 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 those those works that I've made for the show at Sunday um, were <clears throat> were done in the same way, and they had this like outline of the the um, the hair of these two heads, and and surrounding those two heads were these other small kind of plaster and clay works that I'd made over the course of the the, the sort of prior months to that show, and mm -hmm. I think that they just had like. There was, they were much more subtle and manageable and like um, uh, the, the, the combination of the two was something that I'm quite, I'm really intrigued with and I'm intrigued by and I think that I sort of find myself going back to that with quite a few shows and the show I did at Langley after that was with this big bed shaped thing that I'd made these bedside tables for and then these lamps on the bedside tables and it was just like immediately then it's like something romantic it's something couple like it's something like potentially quite sexy or seedy or and it happened to be in a gallery in a basement of a pub with no windows you know yeah, it's like yeah. the context of these things like sort of shines through a bit more when 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 you place them and I think yeah, I think I'm just quite. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely. I definitely use the body, but I think. I think I don't. You know, I don't aim to make figurative work. Or... Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think. I think it's also interesting to me that you described what you're making now. The work now is really feelings based, which is obviously then coming from some sense of the body or visceral 
components yeah. of the body. So what, how does that relationship, like why are these really feeling feelings based and what is that describing? I feel like, I feel like I cringe a little bit when I, <laughs> when I, I, when I, I write say that. that. You did write that. It's really hard to like, I think, I think it, I think I've decided, or I, I decided not long ago, um, that, that maybe the better way of, <laughs> of talking about this would be maybe sort of like treating these works from the beginning a bit like a relationship. So like, I feel like you don't know a lot about how certain things are going to pan out, how relationships are going to pan out, whether they're romantic or not. Like, I think I think I became quite interested in often the discussion about work, whether you had a studio visit or 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 somebody um, a crit, for instance, for example, if you're at college or or having to sort of have a studio visit with works that aren't finished, it's sort of somehow explaining how they're going to end yeah. uh, or, or how they're going to be finished. And I think that, I mean, I think that that's sort of, I don't think that's necessarily how I wanted to think about my work. I just actually wanted to talk and think about it like I didn't know and be okay with that. And so like, actually, these things morph and change. And I spent like, you know, if I, I, I should actually start doing this, but dating my works more honestly, like, <laughs> the works are not, like, well, like the work that I'm making at the moment, like, I, I was living in a house, I made these like dough balls and they were made, I baked them in the oven. It was like a way of making stuff at home. And I can't remember why, but I had I didn't have a studio for some reason. And I was trying to make some stuff and I, thought I made all these like weird homemade clay recipes and they weren't even clay they were just like what were they corn flour and like pva or something and then you put them in the oven and they stink the whole house out and I made yeah, them I've, I've done that. they're fantastic yeah they're so good and I made them so that like, I made them like four or five years ago and um painted them like a hundred different colors and then they've just like ended up in the studio again and I, I finally think I found a place for them but they sort of like sat in they've, they've just been sort of screwed to this piece of white um, panel which was part of a kitchen thing that I found outside and then sort of like there's been like this this lace that's been like routed out I've route, routed this channel out for this lace to fit in and it's like it, I don't know just like the, if I look at the components in which I make work they come from so many different dates and I think that that's actually probably something I should address in the future. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think it's just, it's really, it's become more and more present, I think, um, with the lockdown because I've not really added anything to the studio. Like I've not bought much at all yeah. of work or things to make work from even. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, brings, I, it brings me, I think the question I was most excited to ask, which is really weird, is the dowel question. Like, cause it feels right. like that's so part of that. Like a dowel is made to hold two things together. Kind of like in a relationship, it's the bit that like pokes one person aside, but it's the finger of the other person or something. Um, and a dowel seems to appear a lot in the work. This like odd, I think I wrote like odd pokey finger, like widget. I really um, like your description of that question in that question actually, but yes, 
just yeah. because it, it felt I kept looking and I was like what is that and I was like it's a down what is a down what is it doing and I think it's interesting because of what it's doing um I just wonder if you could talk about the dowel if that is at all interesting I'm interested in hearing about yeah I think I think what wound up happening is that I can't remember the exact point when it happened but I think I'd been making work for a I've been making these works and oh yeah that was it I think I bought this like I bought this router piece which um it, basically you can use it to cut channels and things and it's like a tool which is really I use a lot in the studio mm -hmm. and I bought a keyhole bit for it which ba basically means that on any piece of wood or 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 plastic or anything you can cut a keyhole shape which means you can put a screw in the wall and you can put the key you can put you can put it onto the screw and then it will sit down on it securely mm, yeah, and the yeah. head of the screw is inside the object or the material and so I bought Magnetic. this thing and was like I, I mean I'd used them before but I was like this is probably a really good way of doing it but then I started making these things out of plaster and I was like I can't make these keyholes like I can't this is too dangerous <laughs> you need like a flat surface and like it would be a disaster <clears throat> and so <clears throat> I just started problem solving and I think that that's another thing about my work which is like I mean, maybe a lot of artists do this. I, know, I mean, I know that they do, but you, you're like setting up a problem to solve. Mm. Um, whatever, however, kind of, you know, however that idea manifests itself or that problem manifests itself and what you deem sort of necessary to solve or at it's least address is different for every person. But I think like <laughs> the Dow thing was like a solving of an issue which was actually quite practical, but also just... I started painting them at the beginning and then they just and then I just realized like actually just shove the I IKEA dowel through <laughs> because it sort of allows me to you like not hide anything like not hide the hanging mechanism in a way that I don't want to necessarily like have crass ways of hanging things like I don't want screws to be visible mm -hmm. and I don't want certain things and it was also understanding how the material worked in that way because I wasn't allowed like the amount of work that's been smashed for in in the processes of of or or things that are broken in the processes of working out how to how to use these things how to use these dowels in the way that I want to use them and so yeah. I'm kind of getting to the point where I think I might need to like reclad all the walls because it's just going to be one massive hole. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there it it really I just wanted it to it, it fit the bill just so well. Yeah, it just really fit the bill. It was like you use them for ikea furniture you use them for cheap like self-assembly furniture it like so in its ter in terms of its like cultural significance or social sort of like position this material and object like really sort of fits with the like rhetoric and the kind of conversations around my work but i think it was just like right okay don't be embarrassed to hide it or something like just let it yeah, like, yeah. exist and that, I guess, brings me to that, um, the quote by Linton Talbot, who has written this great essay uh, on your work or some of the work from the Studio Lee moment. Um, and he mentioned something about disingenuous trompe that she it was mentioned in the article. Um, and you referenced it to me that you liked that expression. I just wondered if you could talk about disingenuous trompe and why, why you like that phrase and why it's relevant and... Um, what it means I guess in what to you in relation to the work yeah well I think like 
I think ideas of like Trompe-Loy being, or like the ideas of like what me and you and I have spoken about and I've spoken about a lot in the last mm. 10 years is like this decep- like deception or, or kind of prop, like mm. prop-based decisions like in, in, terms of, in terms of making something that can, can be used as a trickery. Um, mm. And I think that there are reasons why I use quite, there's reasons why I use certain materials and leave certain surfaces exposed. And I think that that maybe is this idea that it's disingenuous, you know, like using something which like a formica that's meant to look like leather mm. or meant to look like marble. I don't tend not to use the marble ones that much, but I think they're a bit too much. But like mm. on the return of that piece of wood or on the sort of edging of that wood, I would... I chose to leave them empty because I just think like I'm not I can't fool anyone with like a bit of formica like formica is just like <laughs> a crap I mean some of them are really beautiful actually and they're really kind of can be super convincing but I, I'm not I'm not really necessarily interested in the convincing I'm interested in the like language that's around that mm. and I'm interested in why we use them and removing them from a context and you know like this idea that actually formica is very expensive to buy it's a brand it's like not cheap yet there are lots of knockoffs and the cheapest way of doing your kitchen is to have a formica worktop because the actual material is loads more expensive and I just think in terms of like how we as a sort of like yeah I I don't know I feel like I go on about it forever but (laughs) I think that there's there's a there's a very interesting uh there's just quite an interesting point where I feel like I, that I want to make with the work, which I think is 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 about not trying to sort of. I'm not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they're like. I'm not that. I, yeah, I'm not that good at making. Maybe. <laughs> well, I think it also though comes back to me to like Trompeau is about um, something convincing you that it's what it says it is. So there's that material diary that you've got going on, like how textures right. feel textual diary and then the feelings based stuff which is like how how it feels how you you feel through material how materials can can carry certain sensations as well um like as well as what the material is and what it stands for so I suppose it's like all that coming together in this hybrid and the tensions between those points are like where the trump life fails or something so it's almost like I'm I'm excited by them because it's like you give us the trompe but then you un, un, un-give it, or you, you know, like with the shoes, right. you punctuate the perspex, so it becomes, it's not like glass on top of shoes that could snap, it's actually broken, you've broken right. illusion. Yeah, and I, I think also just in terms of like, on a practical level, like, or, or, or on with those shoes as well, like they weren't finished to the degree of like, convin- like conviction. Yeah. It's like, they're quite clearly like three kilos of like plaster polymer, like seat down <laughs> the middle. Like I can't like, yeah, I, I, so I, I kind what, of want them. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I'm interested that you don't title them that. We haven't talked about titles, but like the idea of it titling like three kilos of plaster <laughs> polymer is like really funny. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you the titles are often just, where the, the way that I might feel about it or the way that a piece of work might be assembled materially I think there was that I was listening to this like David Sedaris like I quite, I quite like how he I, I do or, too and I think he's just like 
the, I think we, I was in, um, I was in the States and we were just listening to like some podcasts and he was on it. And I know that he's, um, he's got this funny story that was about his book, um, called let's explore diabetes with owls. Yes, yes, yes. He talks about this story being something to do about like this fan suggesting that he wrote something about exploring your inner feelings. And he has this aversion to writing what people ask in the book, like as a book signing. Mm. And um, he said, I'll keep the word explore. And he, then he just wrote, let's explore diabetes with owls in this girl's book. And so somewhere in the world, he said that, that this woman's got the book. Yeah. That was the title of my next book. Yeah, and I, I really like that. He, and, and he says openly, like, it's got nothing to do with diabetes or owls. Yeah, you know, he said that someone, it, like, yeah, was it the Diabetes Foundation contacted him? Or the owls? No, there's quite a few owls in there, but the Diabetes Foundation contacted yeah, him and said they'd like to reference the book, but they'd read it and there was no references in there. <laughs> and he had to explain yeah. that it has nothing to do with diabetes. But there's, like, two owl stories. Um, I think I must have heard the same podcast. I love it. And That's yeah, he just talks quite openly about how he just uses the word. The words sound so fantastic together. Yeah. So just like why can uh, what a brilliant way to like think about words. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of nice. Yeah, definitely. Like freeing up language. Um, you know, because language is it's really interesting. Because the previous podcast with Louise Ashcroft, she was talking about how language is free, and like you can use the expensive word. Now you can use like the other word, but both are free, so you kind of may as well experiment. Right, <laughs> it's yeah. really nice. Totally. Um, amazing, amazing. And there's one title in particular I just wanted to mention, which is I'm going to try and say it on the thing. So it's like <laughs> it's really hard to do it. So maybe it's like P triple F. But um, there's something about the titles that often make you feel a certain way. Like Save Me uh, was one of the titles, or um, they make your mouth and your body make things to make you make sounds you might not make. So again, that like, I was liking that that made the function of the body like, oh, I can make that sound, but I never do. So maybe I should do it, like try it more. And it's quite a fun sound to make. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's just quite nice, like amalgamating these things to just sort of also express how you feel about something and it mm -hmm. may be the work or it may be the process in which you made the work or whatever it might be it's like yeah. they're all like valid or something I think yeah I'm always interested how people land on their title um but that's amazing brilliant um I'm gonna have to end by asking two questions so the first question is can you suggest anything that's been helpful during this like lockdown period um that's been helpful to you um anything that's been helpful <laughs> Such a broad yeah, question. Question. Um, the big broad question uh you know i think i think just uh, yeah loads of things routine routine trying to figure out like trying to figure out routine actually mm. um but i don't know whether that's helpful or hindrance um yeah I'm constantly trying to figure that one out I mean, I, I have actually done loads of cooking and I've really enjoyed that. Um, and I think probably some people might might have the same thing. I think it, it's just this like it's just a bit of a release. And I think it becomes like the the things that are really important to you, like shine, have like the things that are really important to me have sh shone through mm. without sounding too gushy. I think like important <laughs> things and important people have like 
you know, because, yeah, it's been, it's definitely strange for a lot of people for loads of different reasons. But, um, yeah, I think it's, um, I think just like a bit of routine, doing loads of cooking and just like people, I think. Nice. Nice. Yeah, nice. And have you learned something about yourself? Um, I, learned something about, I shouldn't drink too much coffee. Um, ah, that's a great thing to learn. <laughs> How much is too much? I mean, I've just had to stop drinking it. Um, like I'd have to stop at like three, three cups of coffee a day in the morning. Yeah, four is like four is like too much, and I've got like a nice coffee machine, so it's like really, really, like the incentive is there. <laughs> oh, look, it's like a ritual. I like quite like the ritual. In yeah. fact, that's something we haven't spoken to uh, uh, today. But like, I mean, the ritual in the stu- rituals in the studio with materials, uh, rituals with like you know making coffee. It's the same feelings. Oh, that's so nice. I've got really like visual, uh, a visual of you and all these materials and they're kind of ritualistic. You'll have to make a little film of you doing a ritual with them. I don't know about that. <laughs> that sounds really good. Um, brilliant. And if we want to see your work, I'm going to put links to your website and your Instagram. Um, is there anyone else, anywhere else? So your website is? Uh, my website's just my name, mattager.com. Um, and... Yeah, there's. I, I suppose Instagram's quite a good one. The last few shows I've done are up on um, the. We can put them up as well. Sunday, La, Sunday Langley, and I did one in Poland um, at High Gallery. Um, those are all in the sort of last couple of years. Um, but those are some of the ones that I've talked about in the last yeah. hour. So, brilliant. Best to look at them there. Yeah, that sounds so good. And we'll put all those links on our website. Um, great thank you so much thank you continue enjoying cooking and coffee (laughs) thanks a lot (laughs) and hopefully see you in person soon yeah sounds great all right take care thanks a lot Bye. bye bye